Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to NS9 Live. I'm your host, Anthony Denardo. With me, we have Jim. We have... Ta- Wait. No. No. We have Anthony Murphy. What's up, guys? <laughs> What's going on? How's it going? Yeah, so uh, so Tyler's under the weather today. So we... Uh, you know, we call. We went to the bullpen. Called up. Uh, called up Anthony Murphy from from Bucks on Deck. So, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people, pro- most people, probably know who you are who watch slash listen to us. But um, for for those who don't, I mean, you want to do kind of a quick introduction of yourself? Yeah, um, like you said, my name's uh, Anthony. Most people probably know me by Murphy on on Twitter. Um, I have my own Substack, uh, Bucks on Deck. We primarily cover the Pirates minor leaguer, um, do a little bit of draft coverage too, and just the Pirates in, in general. Um, previously wrote for uh, Pirates Prospects too, kind of came over and now now doing our own thing. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Um, a lot of minor league stuff happening recently. We had the international signing period open up. We had the... Uh, Baseball America top 100 prospect list drop. We had some other top 100 prospect lists drop. We had Pipeline coming out with their positional uh, top 10. So a lot of a uh, lot of prospect focus stuff to discuss tonight. And yeah, who who better to to bring on to uh, to talk about that stuff than you? So uh, I'll I'll just throw this out there for you guys. If you if you all are not going to Bucks on Deck, like you should. Great Substack. You guys do a lot of awesome work over there. Um, if you really want to keep in it. touch with like what's going on in the Pirates minor league system and in prospects, like you're not gonna not gonna find uh, not gonna find a better place to go to right now. So good yeah, stuff you all are doing over that's there. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate. Also, I didn't realize this was like where your Marauders hat day. I've got I've got this just kind of. Yeah, I got a couple of those. I do. Yeah. Um, Every year before the season, the last couple of years, I do like a vote on. I let I let people vote on which minor league hat I get, and this was the first year I did it on there. I've ended up with two different uh, Marauders hat now. I guess those just ones are better than than the others. So, yeah, yeah. No, so um, Jim, you should. Yeah, I guess we want to. We just want to go right into it. We can. Yeah, let's do what it. You, what, what there's not a whole lot to, to talk about. No, I was just gonna say you should have wore it because. Little pre-show stuff. We had the same sweatshirt on today. <laughs> yeah, I had to change because that looked weird. But yeah, I get on here. Company. I get on here. Gennaro's wearing the exact same hoodie as me. I think it was the exact like it's the white one, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's the exact same hoodie. So I think we bought ours like at the same time. It's a good hoodie. I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> so we could have been sporting the same hoodie. YouTube sporting the same hat. But... Yeah. Get to the nice, everything working together. Yep. Synergy, baby. Yeah. But yeah, let's get into it because there's not a whole lot of fodder to talk about. We have so much news to talk. I mean, Pirates offseason is just booming right now. Where do we want to start? Let's I start with so. another pitcher going off the board. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And then another pitcher who the Pirates were supposedly in on, and he chooses another team not named the Pirates. Uh, Yariel Rodriguez, who, who we've talked about a few times on the show uh, the past few weeks, um, yeah, from Cuba originally, pitched in the World Baseball Classic, um, You know, pitched out of the bullpen in Japan two years ago, hasn't really pitched competitively 
in a while. Um, teams view him as somebody who could start, but a lot of teams kind of viewed him as a reliever. But the Pirates were one of the teams who who looked at him as a starter. Um, news today, after you know a few days of hearing that the Blue Jays were the front runners, the Blue Jays are um, the winners, I guess, in the Yariel Rodriguez sweepstakes and a four years, thirty-two million dollar deal, which seems very reasonable. Reasonable. Yep. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a bummer there. Just another guy off the board. Like there's they're just running out of names to go after now. And I'm kind of interested because you know, Jim and I have talked a little bit about him, even Tyler. And, and honestly, I mean, I can't offer any actual analysis. Like, I don't know what he is, right? But the way I look at it is there's a couple teams that view him as a starter. Pirates were one of them. Blue Jays obviously were one. Most tinted probably reliever. But you know, like you're talking about eight million dollars a year. I mean, hell, if he ends up being a reliever. Probably could be a good reliever, right? Eight million dollars for a reliever is not like totally egregious. I mean, you have relievers out there right now asking for more money than that. So it's like as a fallback, he could be a possibly a good reliever, eight million dollars. I'm not out here totally saying like this team totally missed and it's terrible they didn't sign him. I'm also not saying thank God they didn't sign him, but to me, it's just like another pitcher that the pirates were linked to that spurned them. And so I don't know, like you know, you on here right now. Do, do you have any insight? Do you have any thoughts on him as, as like what type of pitcher he is or in general? I mean, the only, the only thing I've, I've seen or anything was like just based off of like the, the world baseball classic. And that's, that's if I, if I read correctly, that's the last place he's actually pitched competitively. So, yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah, I, I think this is more of a indication of just like where the pirates are at in, in general, because like, you, you think about it, like they miss out on a guy who hasn't pitched competitively in over in, in almost a year, and it's it was for like a, a you know a tournament or something like that, and, and we're upset because the Pirates missed out on that. Really, we shouldn't they shouldn't be in a position to where like this is any kind of news at all. Like, okay, we lost out on the guy; he's probably a reliever, and he hasn't pitched in over a year. So that that this shouldn't really be a bit, as big a deal as it is, but. We are where That's, we are, and this is—it's a big deal, kind of thing. That's a good point. It's almost like it's almost like they put a lot of eggs in this basket, right? Like they—they yeah. they were kind of thinking in the back of their minds, oh, you know, well, if we if we can't get Jack Flaherty on a one-year deal, if we can't get Seth Lugo on a one-year deal, like these other guys who have gone to other teams, who who were certainly you know, within their range, right? Like kind of right in their wheelhouse, you know, they were like, well, at least there's Yariel Rodriguez. We can probably give him what he wants. We can offer him a starting job where a lot of other teams can't do that. And, and yeah, I think, I think more of this just, it's not frustrating that the pirates didn't land Yariel Rodriguez. I think it's frustrating that it's just yet another player who fits a need that this team has, who, when once we see this deal, four years, thirty-two million dollars, extremely reasonable. Yeah. Like if he turns into a starting pitcher, then it's a steal. If it's a reliever, mm-hmm. then it's like, yeah, he's probably an expensive reliever for for a team like the Pirates. But like you can live with that. With you can live with an eight million dollar a year reliever as long as he's somewhat effective. And if he's not effective, you can dump him if you absolutely have to. Um, I think it's just kind of like what he represents. He just represents another pitcher who picked another team uh, and it, it, it just goes back to, you know, you've got, you had two players on the pirates this year. 
leave them when they need pitching to go to Japan. You had another pitcher who chose to take a minor league deal with the Tampa Bay Rays instead of signing a major league deal with another team. I don't know if the Pirates were one of them, but this is just an example. Um, and then you've got um, Imanaga, who the Pirates were supposedly in on, made a competitive offer, chooses another team. And now here's just another pitcher Pirates are linked to, and they can't land them. It's just like, can we can we just close one deal here, guys? Like, just one. Give us something. Yeah, it's it, it's got to be frustrating at this point. But like I said, I don't, I don't. They need pitching, and they need all. Still need. I feel like they need a couple more pitchers to to bring into camp at this point. But it's like, man, it's it, it's frustrating that we, we have to get upset over. A guy like this losing out yeah. on him, a guy that's potentially it's <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it, it, yeah. frustrating, but like I mean that's that's where we're at. Like he's a yeah. swing guy. Like he's he's a guy who who yeah. on a good team is a thick he, he, starter. He, yeah, exactly. He, he he's a guy that we that realistically the pirates in the small market kind of you know whatever like that they really shouldn't be needing to take the kind of risk on on it. Like if he because like I mean eight million isn't much on there. But, but like multi, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like this shouldn't be something that we're, we're, we're worked up on, but, but we are. Yeah. And, and now, um, and I think know, it's fair to say rotation works out from here. Right. But I think it's, it's fair to say that most people, okay. You can't speak to everyone because you see Twitter, there's every type of viewpoint imaginable. Some are very, very awful. Some are smart and intelligent, but I think for the most part, um, like people aren't mad at like the deal itself. Kind of like we're alluding to here. It's not so much that like he himself didn't sign the Pirates missed out on him. It's more or less like it's just it's another one that's gone. There's not much left. Like it was almost like he was the last hope of somewhat decent pitcher that the Pirates could have landed. And now that's gone. And you're looking now at the list and you're like, trade trade market now. Like, like what's what's left? Paxton, I guess. Yeah. And after Paxton, like what's really left? And if Paxton's your last complete hope of anything on the free agent market, you know, in that aspect, I mean, is that even plausible? I don't know. But now it's looking at, you know, like the trade. And I guess where I'm at on this also is this puts the Pirates in a really, really bad situation in the sense of you could just simply use financial capital to make your team better, right? Just use money. Just use the cash that you've been piling up. Give it to a player and then make your team better. And now they've missed out on all of that and all the like the prospect capital they've been working so hard and tirelessly to acquire over the past four or five years. They have to now use to, to just hopefully become a respectable team. You know, like, like they could have, like you said, like they probably need about two pitchers. You know what? You go and get Rodriguez, and then you make a trade, and like maybe that trade is what puts you over the top. But now it's like they have to make a trade just to hope to be in the game and like you have to use prospects to do that. And that's just, it's not a great usage of like your assets. Yeah. I, I saw um, Pat Lackey on Twitter, you know, mentioned earlier today that he's, and, and this is just him speculating and, and, but you know, he, it's almost like we're about to panic trade Termar Johnson. Like we're going to, we're going to just like, we're going to make ourselves panic so much about the season that we have to do something we're going to do something stupid, right? Maybe overpay for somebody uh, with with like our only hitting prospect that we have. So, um, 
Yeah, it's 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 frustrating because you know prospects are there to not only develop but also be used for trades and making your major league team better. Um, but the Pirates still have a lot of work to do, and I'm not quite sure if trading their prospects right now. Like if you're if you're gonna go all in, go all in. But like, don't just half-ass this thing where like you trade your best hitter for a pitcher who's gonna make you a 79 win club. Like, is that really a smart thing to do? You know, just like trade your best prospects so you go from a 75 win team to a 79 win team. Probably not smart. But like you mentioned, if they had if they had made some better moves before this and made themselves like a competitive ball club at this point, and then you then you can say, all right, you know what? We need this one more guy, or we need these 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 two more pieces, and that's where you can go and make a splash. I don't know if making a splash is a good idea right now. Like I think right now you just need to go and and find somebody to fill out your rotation. I I I really don't know if making a splash is the best thing to do right now, nah, unless they want to make multiple splashes. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like realistically you're probably still a couple years away from, from being in position to make one of those we're all in, let's take what prospects we have and shove it in here. And the frustrating part with it is when you think about it, you know, the, the idea, part of the idea behind like rebuilding and, and, you know, having all your prospects up there is because it creates that small little window to where your better players are really cheap. You have all these guys pre-arbitration and, you know, early stages of arbitration. So going out there and grabbing a guy, you should be in a position right now to overspend on somebody just to for a year or two. Like, I know everyone wants like to sign a pitcher for, for a couple of years, do a multi-year deal. I, I'm okay with a one-year deal and let's just throw in a, a couple extra million at, at the end of it. I mean, we have, you know, what, what financial obligations really do they have right now? That they exactly. can't just go out there and just let's just do like okay let's let's chip away year by year and then in a couple of years when we feel we're really right there let's swing for the fences let's package a bunch of these guys that we have built up and then go get that guy on there but yeah I think I think that's what kind of made me gravitate a lot towards you know like Strowman and and Lugo and and guys like that where you know Strowman signed a two year deal Lugo signed a three year deal. These guys who can help you out right now and you don't have to commit a whole lot to them. And you you have the you have the room in the budget because like you said, yeah. so much of this roster is getting paid peanuts right now. So yeah. this payroll still isn't over 70 million. Like and they're so they're sad. telling us they want to be a playoff team. And it's be serious, you guys. Like yeah. let's 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 do something. Yeah. They, they want to be a playoff team, like you're talking about like, the contracts. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was, I was saying they, they say they want to be a playoff team, but like realistically, like like I I I wrote this before on the website. Like I, I kind of feel they're lucky to get to the amount of wins that they did last year, just just with the injuries and you have two actual starting pitchers by the end of the year and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you probably replay that season, they they don't get to the wins that they get to last year with the injuries and, and that kind of yeah. stuff. So like really you're all, you're playing from behind because like you, you got to you lucked into right. some wins there. And, um, and it's it just like, they, they needed, they were here, they need to get there. And like, did they actually, they're not actually moving 
to where they need to, to even make up for the luck, if you want to call it, last year. Yeah, no, I, I agree with what you said, too. Like, where they stood at the very last day of the season, thinking about 2024, they're worse than that because you lost Oviedo and you lost Endy. Like, those were in your plans. Those were the people that were going to make you better, and now you lost that. So you got to replace them just to get to the baseline and then improve upon that. What I was going to say is, like, you were talking about the contracts and the control and such, and, like, I mean, how many times have we talked about that? Like, not only was Cabrian Hayes signed so cheap, but the way that thing was structured, like, you have so much more room to, like, he he's making seven or eight million dollars. Like, that allows you to, to spend more money right now. Like, here, like, you're talking about, like, here's the window. Like, all these guys are cheap. You can throw some cash, front load something, right? Do something, get creative. And it's like, that's what the Pirates just always miss out on is, like, creativity. They're just, like, the most boring, uncreative team that, like, ever existed. And here we are. Yep. <laughs> I, think we're, I think we're all in agreement here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, we've talked a lot about this. Um, like I said, there's, there's still some guys out there. You, you, you've got the two kind of main starters still available, Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell. I don't think the Pirates are going to be making a play on those guys just based off of what we've seen this offseason. But then you look at like that next tier and, and you're kind of looking at like Michael Lorenzen. You're looking at um, who else? Who else am I missing? Michael Lorenzen, uh, Zach Ranky, James Paxton. Like those are the type of names that you're now looking at. And yeah, like, like Paxton and I think Lorenzen could be useful. You know, but there's going to be a lot of people too that are like, there's not a lot left, and there's teams out there that are still looking for starting pitching. Like, you still have to compete yeah. against some some of their teams. Yeah. And I guess where I'm at too is like, I don't mind Paxton, I don't mind Lorenzen. You know, I guess it's where I'm at though is you got those guys already. Like, that's what Perez represented. That's what Marco Gonzalez represented. You know, you got the riskier guys who could turn into something what you're missing out on is the dude and you don't have that and you still just have a ton of risk now again like Perez throwing again not doctors but that sounds and sees like to be a good sign that he's throwing right now and as hard as he is so maybe the health is there you know the risk is maybe mitigated a little bit but like there's just a ton of just a ton of risk outside of Mitch Keller this entire eight nine ten man if you want to call it rotation right there's bodies but like just a so so much risk, and there's no one to come in here and say, you know what? At least there's two guys in this bull or rotation that you can certainly count on. Perez, I guess, represents that. Okay, so there's two. There's two that I'm comfortable going into the season with that they can last. Outside of that, I'm not comfortable that anybody can last. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're uh, we're banking on a lot of was notice a lot of uh. We're hoping people revert back to 2022 kind of kind of seasons and stuff like that. And yeah, even the guys that I feel like a lot of people think we can count on. I mean, can we? Yeah. So no, I, I think that, it's a it's a they're at a quantity over quality thing right now. They're just hoping that we have so many people that we'll, we'll be able to just throw stuff around and and we'll find it. We'll find something eventually. So. 
Yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully with what they've got, and if they can make one more addition, you know, like like Nola says here, like they are going to be getting some reinforcements like midpoint of the year, you know, so you will have Brubaker, you will have Burroughs, and you'll hopefully have some some other prospects. Like hopefully, hopefully Jones is is ready by that by that time, um, and you can get something out of him. I I'm not really. I think a lot of people are like saying skeins, skeins, skeins. I I'm not really counting skeins to 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 do anything this year. I, I would be pleasantly surprised if Paul Skeens is starting games for the Pirates in like like this summer. Um, I hope I'm wrong there. Hopefully he just comes out and he just shoves, you know, and and he proves that he's ready and he just kind of forces the Pirates to make that uh, make that decision to bring him up. But that's that's moving a pitcher pretty fast. I mean he is what like 10, 10 minor league innings right now. Six and two thirds. Yeah, no, yeah, not even. I think it was six. So. And, yeah, I think yeah, it was six and six and two thirds. Like you can very debate on how um, on the quality of those those innings mm-hmm. too on there, but that's a yeah. whole other uh, rabbit hole we can we can yeah. go down. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit when we get to the top ten list, maybe. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess anything else we want to add here before we kind of move on to to the next topic? I don't think so. Not really. All right. I think it's time um, we can move on to the international signings. Let's do that. Um, before we do that, quick um, quick read from our sponsor. Uh, today's show is sponsored by Chris Gates Fitness. Chris is a friend of the show, and he's an online fitness coach from Pittsburgh. In addition to being a massive Pittsburgh sports fan, he works with people all over town and all over the world to build muscle, burn fat, and improve their health and fitness. In fact, uh, Chris and I work together, uh, and I've been able to make some pretty impressive transformations just in the last year. Um, lost about 40 pounds last year thanks to Chris's help and, and hoping to do more this year. So still uh, still working with him. If you're interested in jumpstarting your fitness journey, make sure you're on Chris's mailing list. When you sign up, you'll get a free 21-day training program, a free guide to sustainable dieting, and a free high-protein, high low-calorie tailgating cookbook. With those freebies, you'll be able to figure out the best and most sustainable way to manage your diet and exercise plan. Visit chrisgatesfitness.com slash newsletter to sign up. He will also send out free content every single week to his mailing list, whether it be new articles, YouTube videos, podcast episodes, and more. Again, that's chrisgatesfitness.com slash newsletter to sign up. Boom. Boom. I'm interested in the, uh, the tailgating cookbook. Yeah, tail, tailgating cookbook. I could use one of those. Yes. I actually, I guess I have it and I just haven't even opened. I need to use it. I need to, I need to, I need to open that thing up and, and see what's in it. <laughs> it's a free perk I'm getting. And then, yeah. I, I, Jim's like, yeah. wait a minute. <laughs> I need, I, I need to use that tailgating cookbook. Oh, what a loser. You know anyway, when we come to PNC Park for a tailgate this year, we'll, 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 uh, we'll use the tailgating cookbook. I like it. Yeah. So let's get it down to this. So we had an international signing day. Pirates signed 17 players. Um, you know what? Like Anthony, we bring you on. This you're the guru. This is your wheelhouse, right? Again, like we talked about with the guys, like we know nothing about these guys, right? We yeah. know what baseball America has told us what we should know, which is what everyone else knows right now at this point as well, right? Um, so like maybe give us a little bit of insight. Like, what do you think about this draft class? Overall thoughts. International class, international signing I mean, class, <laughs> not I a mean, draft class. The, the, <laughs> the biggest thing with the international sign, the international class is like these are 
16, 17 year old kids and stuff like that. My, my expectations, my, my, what, what, any opinions or anything that I, I do, I try, I try my best to hold off on them until they hit at least the complex league. Cause I mean, there's so much that can go on down there. You know, you get in the Dominican league, there's some like 19, 20 year olds that are playing there. So they'll put up better numbers than others. Some kids are just more uh, physically mature and stuff like that. So So next thing you know, you'll be putting axial plaz in future lineups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, Alexander Mojica. Alexander Mojica, yeah. He he was supposed to be like on the bench. Yeah, bench. He was supposed to be like a bench player already. Uh, But uh, I mean, so far from the little bit of information I've been able to to gather, I mean, there's some there's some interesting kid kids out there. Obviously, like the the two big ones was the like Brazilian and um, Felice. Uh, there's a pitcher, Erwin Ramirez, that, that I, I read a little bit on there, already hitting like mid-90s with the fastball, throws a curveball slider. Um, he got about a half a million dollars to, to sign. So six foot four. So already like a pretty good frame and stuff like that. I haven't, I've actually haven't been able to find his age yet. So, I mean... If he's right. six foot four, <laughs> mid nineties, I would I would venture maybe he's closer to like a eighteen year old type of signing, kind of like Luis Ortiz kind of thing. Um, so that'll be something that'll be someone interesting, maybe that isn't wasn't initially talked about um, to to watch. There, the Chandro Trump, he from Curacao, he actually played in the Little League World Series and the Senior um, Senior Baseball World Series. There are actually a couple of clips of him on uh, on Twitter. Uh, okay. Him hitting a home That's run, cool. so I mean it's it's hard to judge like a swing from a, from someone from like when he was like fourteen, fifteen already. Right. But like you know, it's, okay, well it's cool. We got to see a kid they just signed uh, hit a home run. So, but I mean we'll see how they uh, they they kind of turn out on there. It's, Pirates have been fairly aggressive this side of things on here, so a well, couple of interesting names to follow in the next couple of years. Yeah, it sounds like they've. Um, I mean, first off, they have a they have a good sized pool, seven point one million and some change. I, I believe mm-hmm. them and five other teams have like the highest bonus pool uh, allotment. So they've got a good amount of money to kind of spread around here. And looking at the list so far, I'm not seeing signing bonuses for Brazaban or Feliz necessarily. But I mean, yeah. we're seeing one, two. I mean, there's there's a handful of guys already receiving six figure signing bonuses so you gotta at least assume that they you know they, they like those guys if they're giving away you know hundreds of thousands of dollars um some pretty good names on this list too yes like, just like yes. A, it's like an all-name international A-plus for names yeah i mean iverson allen that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. awesome that's mind you that's a pretty yeah, six man. foot 160 yeah if he's not wearing number three i don't know what he's doing yeah, he has to. Are you aware? <laughs> like, are you aware of your name and what you represent? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I mean, you have to, Matt. Like, if your last name's Allen and your first name is Iverson, like, your parents had to name you after Allen Iverson, right? Like, that's not a coincidence. Absolutely. No. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. there's no way. <laughs> um, I so agree, that's, baby. Yeah. So that's that's a pretty cool name. Um, yeah. Just uh, how about it, Sammy it, Sosa's it, nephew? Sammy Sosa's nephew. Yeah. yeah. He got he got a hundred thousand, I think it was. Yep. 
Um, but yes, it's a good mix of pitchers on here. Um, you know, hopefully Brazaban seems like he's kind of the cream of the crop from just a, from like a scouting standpoint at this moment in time. But like you said, like these guys are so young, anything could happen between now and the next couple mm-hmm. of years. Um, but he, he's ranked 12th right now by baseball America. Uh, but they also don't rank. Yeah, they rank by bonuses. Um, 38th on pipeline. I think Perfect Game had Brazzaban like second or something like that too, though, in their rankings when I was doing a little bit of research. So he's he's a pretty highly touted guy. Um, outfielder in the Pirates. Seems interesting. Yeah, and, and based off of just the Pirates outfield situation in the minors, you know, you kind of you want to stock up on some outfielders right now. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean signing period. I, I'm, do we are we still expecting some other some other signings here? I know someone asked a question earlier. Um, is there like a Jun Suk Shim type signing that's still kind of on the horizon that you're hearing about? Maybe that you know these these are all these are all you know Latin American players for the most part, Caribbean, um, but we've seen them be pretty active in the Asian markets here the last few years. Yeah, I, I feel like usually um, I, I don't know if this is like how technically accurate it is, but from what I've noticed, like usually when they start dipping into like the, the Asian market and, and whatnot like that, it's a little bit closer to when the season starts and, and stuff. Like I know like the shim thing wasn't like something that happened like day one in there. So, I mean, like you said, the Pirates have been really aggressive out there. They've done really good out that way. So if they if they grab another player or two, um wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me at, at all. I haven't heard anything as, as far as that, but it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if they do end up out there again. Yeah, I mean, you look at their top prospect list, and just if, if you want to look at some of their best international signings of late, you know, Zhang Zishang and and um, Shim and, and Shim are like are, are your two mm-hmm. are your two best guys that that you signed. So, um, yeah, I mean, it definitely something to talk about, something to look forward to, keep an eye on it. There's still plenty of bonus pool space available. Um, the signing period basically lasts all year. It's till like December 15th or something 15th, like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So they've got they've got a lot of time to sign people, um, spread that money around. Um, but this also kind of, and I, I opened up, I think this, I, I, well, DK talked about it on his daily shot yesterday. And then I was like, you know what? I don't remember the Pirates doing very well with these international guys lately. And so I went through and just looked at every class from, and I picked 2010 out of the blue. Some people might say, oh, you picked 2010 because that's the year after Polanco. No, I, I just I just picked the random number, a nice, easy, clean number. So from 2010 on, the Pittsburgh Pirates have been terrible <laughs> in the international market. Now, like, their best signing from that period was Harold Ramirez, who was traded in Double A. So the Pirates never even got anything out of him. And let's be real, Harold Ramirez is, is okay, but like he's like a career two WAR player. So that's the most production that the Pirates have gotten out of hundreds of guys that they've signed um, during the international signing period over the last fourteen years. Um, so I don't know, like, it's just, it's, it's kind of one of those things where these guys are very volatile prospects because you're signing them at 16 years old a lot of times. And you just have no idea what kids are going to turn into at 16. Um, but like when you sign 200 guys, you'd like to hit on one, 
maybe two, mm-hmm. like anything here. The 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 most production the Pirates have gotten out of uh, out of one of the like the Pirates have gotten out of somebody was Osvaldo Beto. So if you're curious, like Osvaldo Beto is the most successful Pirate from all international signings over the last 14 years. Yeah. yeah like what's going on here? What's going What's going on? I mean, I, I guess the the first thing that, that we should say with this, like I remember uh, John Drecker, Drecker, and he's one of the best when it comes to international and, and stuff like that. He wrote, he had written a really good article on Pirates Prospects about just how much of a crapshoot international signing is. And like odds are you're, you're going to fail most of the time when, when signing these kids more than that. But then also, like you said, when you sign – upwards of like 200 kids and stuff like that you you would kind of hope more you're you're getting more than what you got out of that you know you don't want Beto being your your number one yeah. producer like, but, yeah Osvaldo uh, Beto yeah, is like the crown jewel of the 2010s <laughs> <laughs> and now the A's yeah, get him son of a B <laughs> yeah see look that's how well they did other teams are fighting over signing him to yeah for a major he got a major league deal with them like that's hey. that's awesome. <laughs> that's true. Success. That's true. That is true. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and, and the jury's still out. So, I mean, while we're kind of on the topic, right, no one from the 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, like those classes, they have yet to, uh, they have yet to debut. So, um, who are you still pretty excited on and, and high on as far as these international signings who are in the, in the current system. I mean, like, like we mentioned, Zhang Chang was added to the 40 man this off season. He's, he was a 2019 uh, signing um, 2020 um, Polan- Shalin Polanco um, was the second highest bonus the pirates have ever given out to, to one of these kids. Um, you know, he just finished up his first season of a full season ball with Bradenton. Um, your Donnie De Los Santos, another guy, uh, and then Shim, who we who we've talked about, but I mean, kind of give us a rundown as far as like these international prospects who are currently in the system, who you know can maybe turn this thing around for the Pirates. Um, speaking of speaking of like Polanco, he was he was maybe one of the the funnest players to to watch last year until he got hurt. Like um, really good defensively, can play all three positions in the outfield. Um, was gonna kind of pushed towards maybe a 2020 season had, had he uh, been able to stay healthy. Uh, so he has a, a lot of power, a lot of um, speed and just really needed to work on the um, contact, a lot of strikeouts. Uh, he'd started to get them under control as he, um, when he got hurt. So it'll be interesting to see going into next year to see if he's kind of solved the, solve those kind of issues and stuff like that. Um, Still young, I could still see a, a scenario where you start him in in Bradenton again, just to where he kind of missed the last couple of months of the season, and then maybe like a month or two in, you you send him up to Greensboro. I, at this point, with with how Greensboro's kind of treated the hitters and pitchers, I'd kind of prefer if the the least amount of time he can spend there, the better for him. So um, he was he was one that really stood out to me last year. Is just as excitement wise, um, Chen. You know, you talk about Chen getting added to the the forty man roster. He speed guy, not much power. He, I think he kind of he, he's kind of the example thing for as far as like you know 
what Greensboro can do. He hit, I think he hit right, right at close to double digits and home runs there before he got called up. And I don't think he's hit that many home runs like any other year combined. Yeah. So, he, uh, he hit nine uh, in 57 games. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he, but he, he's good fielder. He kind of seems like, I mean, I guess it depends. Like I, I could see him settling in as like a really good utility guy on a major league roster. Maybe not a good, guy that can that's going to play every day but he can play both middle infield positions he's really good defensively um and and the speed the speed plays the speed plays i've seen i've seen him turn a lot of singles into doubles and and a few doubles into triples so um and then one guy that's been getting talked about a lot this offseason is is shim we only got to see what he only pitched like eight innings in, in the complex league last year. His first game, I don't know how many innings he pitched, but it was he it was he was perfect. He didn't even allow a hit or or a walk or anything like that. And what is it? Just baseball. They just had released like their rankings and they had him sixth on it. So, I saw that. They just that was wild. Like, that yeah. was wild. Yeah. And, like I can from from the couple people that I've talked to that that have seen him pitch, like I can kind of I can kind of I get it. It's way too early for me to to kind of do that, but like the stuff is really really there to to be a, a special pitcher. So and like I think Baseball America has him on, on like a short list of guys who can like break out this year as well for the Pirates. So I mean, uh, just a lot a lot of guys, a lot of question marks. But I mean, that's kind of what you get with with the young international guys. They it's all projections and tools and what they could be. And it's kind of on the pirates to, to make them realize all that stuff. So, yeah. Um, your Donnie De Los Santos, probably the guy I, I, I like a lot just from the, you know, yeah. pretty good batted ball data hits the ball hard. Definitely needs to work on the strikeouts. Um, but I think you could probably say that about everybody who played for Bradenton last year. Uh, just, Kind of, an, and we've talked about this a lot, you know, just on Twitter going back and forth. Like, is this is this an organizational philosophy? Is this something where the this is is are they just finding people who can't make contact, or is this that are they just working on things that are specifically against making contact at this point? It it kind of it kind of it kind of what it feels like too is like okay we're gonna get the guys who we can hit the ball really hard because you almost can't teach that and then we're gonna teach them how to hit and then it's debatable on whether or not they've actually been able to uh, are you sure about that teach them how to do it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's what it seems like the philosophy is because you have a lot of you know a lot of guys who could hit the ball really hard Lonnie White Jr. can Lonnie White Jr. can destroy baseball but then like he had like a 75 percent end zone contact rate so yeah even somebody like termar who comes into the system with a ridiculous hit tool just it disappears (laughs) well like my 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 thought and then you could say a lot of things with tomorrow too like maybe he was selling out for power and and the way that i look at it is you can write up all these scouting reports and I think I saw like Wade Boggs and Vlad he was like a mix between Wade Boggs and Vlad Guerrero and that's just at the end of the day he was playing he was playing pro ball at 18 years old like I'm gonna approach it like any other 18 year old 
baseball, you know, prep kid that's playing single A baseball, eventually like high A. I mean, he, his chase rates were, oh, he did not chase, like he, his chase rate was under 20%. Like it, that, that's, that's insane. That's better than like, I think almost every other major league ball player. So he doesn't yeah. chase out of the zone. He just has to learn how to, I don't know, pick, you know, just recognize and get comfort. There's a comfort thing. And like, you can, you can kind of feel like they're like, I went, I went to see him at the end of the season last year and it was kind of like just frustrate, a lot of frustration there at the end of the year. Cause like you could tell things maybe weren't going exactly the way he wanted to, to go. And, and maybe he was trying to over swing sometimes. And, you know, I think his first year in, 2022 right at the end of the season there were a lot of at bats to where he like he literally swing would swing out of his shoes like he would swing and he'd spin around and hit the ground so he Mm -hmm. just let him get comfortable let him kind of adjust and and see what's good the guy was one of it's very rare for any teenager to draw 100 walks in the season and he he was one of them to do it yeah so it's 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 there but it's just He's, he's a teenager. And I think at the end of the day, put the scouting reports aside and just kind of remember that he's an 18, 19 year old playing in a league to where not many 18, 19 year olds are playing. I think that's next. And when he connects it, it looks really good. It's, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. He hit one, I think it was like 470 feet in Bradenton. Mm-hmm. like at 115 miles an hour, some, something along those lines off the bat. It, yeah. like he, he destroyed when he gets all of it. It's, it's fun to watch. So I guess, and again, like this isn't to comp them, only like preferences, this isn't to comp them. But I think the concerns are, again, we talk about the parts of development and the, the contact. And there was a player who had not a very similar skill set, but you knew he was going to hit for contact, possibly a batting average title. Right. And that was Nick Gonzalez. He comes into the Pirates organization, and you see like a, a total change. Like he's kind of selling out a little bit for power now. The average is down a little, swing and miss. And then again, tomorrow now follows in those footsteps per se. You hear the bat, he comes in, strikeouts kind of out the roof. The contact rates drop, power is there. So I guess what I'm trying to say is you're kind of pressing pause on this, right? Like everyone just kind of chill. Like even though you saw Nick Gonzalez, it's a whole different case because that's the thing too. Like Nick Gonzalez was. He was older, right? He was more mature. He's not a teenager, these these things. So yeah. I guess what you're trying to say is like just kind of press pause, be patient. He's still just a kid. Let him mature, let him grow, wait until he develops, then kind of worry. Press press that panic button a little. Yeah, yeah. And and that, that kind of makes me think of like when I was when I was down in Greensboro, I talked to uh, Thomas Harrington and he mentioned something about like from his time from Bradenton to Greensboro, kind of adjusting the way that he pitched and kind of learning what works for him and what doesn't work for him. And, and you can kind of take that with Tamar too, because, you know, he has this elite, elite chase rate and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't swing at bad pitches and, but he also can hit a ball 470 feet and stuff like that. He's learning what kind of professional ball player he is right now. And he's doing it in a league that's very advanced for where he's at. So he's just at this point, he's just trying to figure out where he fits as far as being a pro ball player. And that's going to involve some, you know, struggles here and there and stuff like that. But the hope is by the time he gets to the majors, he's figured it out and he knows what he is and he can use that on the field to, to, to help the pirates. 
How the hell does he hit a ball that hard and that far? Like, has some I'll say, like, of, of, torque, take all that stuff we just talked about away. Mm-hmm. It's just like seeing him do this also just that's what wows you. Yeah. It is impressive, you know, with his age and his frame, like what he's what he's able to do to a baseball. Um yeah, I mean, I, I saw him in person. I was impressed with him. He he drew some walks. He hit a bomb. So like, I I saw kind of the whole thing. It was it was a pretty good it was a pretty good um sampling of him. But yeah, I, I I wouldn't necessarily say I'm down on him. I think there's still there's definitely some red flags. Like the strikeouts is a red flag. Um, but yeah. at the same time, you can clearly see the talent. Like it's not a talent issue at this point. It's just like how do we how do we make this thing work? What kind of baseball player, like you said, what kind of baseball player do we want Tamar Johnson to be? Because right now he looks like he's going to be a major leaguer. It's just, do we want him to hit 30 homers and hit 240? Or does, do we want him to hit 290 and hit 10 homers, right? Because I think he's probably capable of doing either. It's just kind of depending on, like, what do we want to do? Where do we want to go from here? So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm curious to see how this year goes. I would imagine they send him back to Greensboro to start the year, but... Hopefully, you know, we see him in Altoona pretty uh, pretty quickly. But yeah, the dude, um the dude's impressive. Yeah. Coming here, hundred and twenty five pounds of pure muscle, yeah. which is yeah. funny because he's probably about 125 <laughs> pounds. Yeah. So speaking well, of Tamar, maybe one thirty five. So speaking of Tamar, <laughs> Baseball America's top one hundred prospect list came out today. Um he he um came in at number seventy seven, which um is you know, down from from where he was at this point last year, uh, still well within, um, you know, the top prospect status. If you compare him to the guys who were, were around him in the draft, Drew Jones, Elijah Green, guys like that, he's he's outperforming those guys uh, right now. So um, he slots in at seventy seven, but uh, Jared Jones comes in at seventy four. The stuff's incredible. Um, I don't know how much it's going to hold up in the majors. You know, there's definitely some some relief concerns there, but you know, I expect to see Jared Jones at some point this year. Um, I was even clamoring for him last year when they just needed somebody to pitch towards the end of the year. I was like, just let Jared Jones go out there and give it a shot. But um, they didn't do that. Uh, he'll he'll probably start the year in Indy again. But I mean, I fully expect to see Jared Jones at some point in 2024. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the stuff is there. I think it depends on what kind of role he settles into. Like you said, I think there's some reliever risk. And I will say, like I saw, I saw him pitch uh, last year in in Richmond, and he took a no hitter into the into the seventh. Like the 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 stuff is very good, really good. Like, but it, it's just can it hold up over 150, 180 innings over a major league season? five, six innings a night. Uh, did notice in some games, the velocity does kind of dip towards the end of the, his outings. The stuff isn't as crisp. Uh, I mean, he's 22. He's still, you know, still learning and stuff like that. But yeah, I will say this. He, he's the kind of guy I wouldn't mind throwing in the bullpen right now and just kind of letting go, yeah. just let him go. I mean, we saw him in, in spring training last year, right? He was hitting like 99, a hundred at a, at a in that, that game against the Yankees in spring training. So, I mean, the stuff's a legend. Develop in the I bullpen, just, just get the rotation sure later. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he could just be an elite reliever right now. 
Um, I, I think yeah. as long as there's starter potential, you 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 still got to at least give it a shot. Um, and, and 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 he's still twenty two. Yeah, super young. Um, and and yeah, like he hasn't had to face like 150, 160 inning, you know, season yet. But he he is coming off back to back years of 120 plus, you know, at, at ages 20 and 21. So, you know, he when he does get here, he shouldn't really have to be on any sort of pitch limit or innings limit. Like he's pretty much built up to where you want a major league starter to be right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him at some point this year. Um, like I said, the stuff's the stuff's electric. Uh, the strikeout rates are great. Uh, you, know, you can get a little bit wild at times, but he, yeah, overall, just really, really good stuff from Jared Jones. Um, he, so he slots in at that list at 74. Bubba Chandler coming in at 59. Baseball America has him a little bit higher than than some other places I've seen. I love Bubba Chandler. He's my dude. I think the upside there is just incredible. I think me and you kind of agree on that. Um, like Paul Skeens deserves to be the number one pitching prospect in baseball, but like I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that Bubba Chandler ends up being the better pitcher. Like I think that's possible. Yeah, I, I, I would say I, I got destroyed pretty hard in the uh, Bucks on Deck comment section for making that exact comment. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Uh, he, he's been, he has been, I've said. seen, I know what I said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, he said. Uh, I've seen a lot of the pirates top pitching prospects over the last couple seasons. And he was by far the most electric pitcher I've seen. And I, I like, I've seen, we're talking like Louis, Louis Ortiz, like the year he came up and, you know, blew everyone away. Um, saw Mike Burroughs. I've seen Baronzi Contreras, I, like all of them in the minors and, and stuff like that. Bubba was by far the best of the best of bunch that I've seen on there. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you I, think the, it was the, with him? How close him and teens are, I, I think is so much closer than, than people realize. And people have already kind of put skeins all the way up here because he's the first overall pick because, you know, best pitchers in Strasburg, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I get it. So I think some fans have naturally built a, a wall around him thinking that he's like, he's up here and he's untouchable. But like Bubba Chandler is like right there and he's right there. And he, at the end of the season, he started figuring stuff out and he went out there against a really good Harrisburg team in his only start in, in double A and he mowed them down. And th- that team had multiple top hundred prospects on them, and he just completely dominated them. At age twenty, like I mean, he's still super young 20. too. And, and I at think what's 20. what's crazy about what Chandler with Chandler is like, he's still got so much more to develop. Like the dude hasn't been a full time pitcher. He's been a full time pitcher for a year, like a year of his entire life. Like the guy has. I think there's just so much more untapped potential there than people realize. And. Yeah, like you look at the overall numbers last year and you look at the ERA and you're like, yeah, it's not that great. But you kind of saw something click for him like that second half of the year. And he was just dominant down the stretch. Like you mentioned his one star in double A. And yeah, he was excellent there. But down the stretch in Greensboro, too, which we've already talked about, is like a it's a it, it's a juice box. Like it's a very strong offensive environment there. And. And he, and he dominated down the stretch there. So, yeah, I 
I am really excited to see Bubba Chandler this year. I think I mean Altoona is probably going to open up with a Chandler Skeens, like Skeens Chandler one two punch. Um, maybe even Salamedo starting in Altoona too. So like that Altoona rotation to start the year could be insane. Uh, it's I've already I've already marked the calendar when they're in Richmond, so yeah, yeah I'm I'm looking forward to that. So, um, and then that brings us to the number one pitching prospect on Baseball America's top ten uh, top one hundred list, uh, Paul Skeens. Um, and while we're here, you know, Pipeline also released their top ten right-handed pitching prospects. Paul Skeens comes in at number one there. So, yeah, I mean, I um. I like Paul Skeens a lot. I think he's going to be really, really good. Um, I think we could probably make an argument that, you know, would you rather have Wyatt Langford or Dylan Cruz? Because both of those guys are ranked higher than Skeens on the top 100 list. But I'm not going to be nitpicky here. I think Paul Skeens is, was the best pitcher to ever come into the draft for the last decade or so when the Pirates got him. So, like, I don't, I don't think you can necessarily complain here. Um, yeah, I mean, you've you've uh, you watched all of Skeens' starts. Um, we watched all of Skeens' starts. Um, kind of just give us your your overview on Paul Skeens and what do you think he what do you think he could be? I, I think as far as his floor, it's pretty high. But like, what what, what type of ceiling are we talking about here? I I think floor wise, it's it's pretty safe to say that like maybe maybe he's not going to come in and have success immediately, but he, he's someone you could probably throw in the rotation right now and and. He, he can fill your fill endings for you, like absolutely. Um, as far as upside, I think the upside's probably just about is what everyone's talking about. I mean, he can be a, the the front line front line guy that that the Pirates hope hoped he can be. I, I think he's going to fall maybe a little bit short of all of all of that. The, the thing that concerns me about it, and like I don't, I don't want to bore everyone with it and just like say, oh, he has a bad fastball shape, and so like you know fastball shape, bad, bad pitcher kind of thing. Um, the, the thing that concerns me is like watching him there that they've already, and maybe it was just like end of season, go ahead and go out here and let's try it. But like, they were already completely revamping what he was throwing. Like they had him almost ab- abandoned the four seam completely. And he was throwing like nothing but sinkers the entire time. So it's like, when you know that this guy has, has an issue and like, clearly you're, you're somewhat admitting it by not having him throw the pitch. So mm-hmm. it's, we're going to have, so this guy's supposed to be the best prospect since like Steven Strasburg and you're already six innings into his professional career, altering what he, what supposedly made him the best pitching prospect in, in, in so long. And then you can like watch him, like I didn't watch all of his starts at LSU, but you can also make a case that some of the, a lot of the sliders and a lot of the strikeouts with the slider, like the command and control is great. It, it's, it's, it, it's great, yep. and that's what's going to make him guaranteed to be a major league starter. But a lot of those strikeouts with the sliders, like, are you going to get a major league hitter to chase that pitch? Right. That's that's going to be the question. And then even, like, I saw, like, a highlight package for, like, I think it was, like, the that spring competition or whatever, it is, like, the breakout the with, like, all the prospects and stuff like that. They showed one of his teams striking out a hitter with the slider that broke right over the middle of the plate. I'm like, okay, well, that worked because he was thrown to a single A pitcher. But mm-hmm. is that slider going to get that that whiff against a major league hitter? Yeah. So it, is all the stuff going to play if if the location and and that kind of stuff, or if they're already changing everything to his game? Like, 
like, is that really a guy you wanted with the first overall pick? That so. So let me ask you. I, I think that kind of speaks to like the Pirates in general. Like it kind of feels like, especially with the last draft, they're 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 gambling on themselves, as in like, okay, these guys have incredible stuff. We're just going to make the final t- tweaks that they need, and we're going to kind of set them loose to be like unlock all this hidden potential. And I think we've spent like almost the entire show talking about (laughs) how they quite been the case so far. They haven't really been able to do that with anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So is that maybe what makes you, and I'm asking you, because again, like you're really high on Bubba Chandler and you're saying like the separation isn't that far. Is that maybe that what does it? Because we know like Bubba Chandler has all that talent in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I did want to kind of ask you too a little bit, although you kind of answered it. So I'll maybe stay straight from that now, but um, like, do you see, the cap on Paul Skeens a little bit because of this and like it's about because Bubba Chandler has all the talent in the world. Like that's why they're so much closer. Like, or is it just because simply like the pirates you're worried about the pirates tinkering with, with Skeens? Like, like what is it exactly that makes Skeens and Chandler maybe here-ish for you and not so much here like everyone else? I, I think it's just like the overall stuff for with like Chandler and stuff like that plays more into the way the game's been played a little bit more right now. You see, you know, people starting to like throw the fastballs high again and, and, and stuff like that. And Chandler with the, the additional movement on his pitch and stuff like that, if you really wanted to like break it down with like the, the pitch shape and everything like that. And um, just the, the way the secondary stuff has come and the athletics athleticism from Chandler and stuff like that, just he, he potentially has, three plus pitches between like the, with the fastball, which we already is can see is heading up that way. I think the change, the changeup maybe is best pitch right now. You could make You could probably make an argument with that. Like whenever I saw, I saw his, I was at his last start in, in Greensboro and the, the arm speed is identical. Like you can't tell the difference coming out of the, the arm. And then it just like completely drops and fades away from hitters and then the, the slider is a little bit more of a work in progress but you see the potential there with that as well so it's just he has potentially three plus pitches you and then if if you're going to say that the maybe the fastball which i get you can you can get away with bad fastball shape and movement and stuff like that if you're throwing 98 to 100 on there and you're locating it so you'll get away with it more than someone like quinn priester who has horrible fastball shape but he throws 92 so you're not, you can't do both. You can have, and that's, I know Jim, you and I talked about like Thomas Harrington on, on, on Twitter, how like he, he can get away with it a little bit more at 92, 93, because he has the movement and the, the shape and everything like that's on, is really good. Schemes can get away, can get away with the lack of shape because of the velocity, but also if he's not locating it on a certain, you know, you know how pitcher, you know, third, going out there 30, 35 times over a season, you're not always going to have your best stuff. You're not going to be able to hit your spots and everything like that. And if right. he can't hit his spots with, with a flat fastball, I mean, we see Hunter Green out there, like get demolished sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he throws triple digits more than any other pitcher in the game right now. So. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Good, that's a really fair point. Um, so, so that's the Pirates top 100. Um, another guy though, who was just off the list and he comes in on pipelines, top 10 left-handed pitching prospects. Uh, he comes in as the number five left-handed pitching prospect, Anthony Salamedo. Um, you know, they, they list him here as like kind of the biggest riser from, 
from last year, I think is what they called it. Yeah, highest riser. Um, they they mentioned his his above average fastball slider control. Um, also the fact that he made it to double A kind of as quick as he did, and he and he you know more than held his own there. So um, you've you've watched a lot of Solomedo um, between you know Greensboro and Altoona last year. He dominated Greensboro. Definitely deserved that promotion to Altoona. Um, what has changed? For Solomedo from 2022, when we had you know Eric Long and hanging on here, and he was basically like the dude's a reliever, like don't get excited about him. Now there's probably a reason to be excited about him. I mean, I think there was always a, a reason to, and and I, I get what he was saying on there uh, about all of that. I think the biggest question with him is like holding the velocity deeper into the game and deeper into the season. Like last year, uh, his first year, he kind of wore down a little bit um, towards the end. He kind of over, he, I don't want to say he wasn't ready or anything like that, but I think he prepared a little bit too. From from uh, some people I talked to on there, he may have like over prepared for the season. So he kind of wore himself down, wasn't really ready for just exactly what a professional season would put the body through. So by the end of the year, I think he was like 88, 89, most of the time while in Bradenton. And then, you know, we saw at the beginning of the year, he was up to like 92, 93, 94. And with his, with his delivery and the deception with the delivery, that 93 looks like 97 coming out of him. So, and then from, you know, like the arm angle and everything creates a little bit extra. And I think again, just, you know, he topped a hundred innings again. So the velo dropped a little bit. So I, I just think it's, it's all there kind of in the same way that Chandler is like, they're, they're different players. Like even, even comparing the two, I like Solomito a little bit more for like having a little bit of a higher floor. Like I can see him as being kind of a, a lock to being like a back of the rotation guy, kind of thing and I for as high as I am on Chandler like I even see like there are some risks to maybe like a bullpen kind of thing um Mm -hmm. right but so I think I think really he comes out he starts with the velocity and he's able to hold it over the course of an entire season like I, I I don't see why he isn't on a top 100 list by the end of the year as well on there. Yeah. I think the changeup needs to come a little bit more. He has to get a little more comfortable with the changeup on there. Sometimes he can become really, he uses like the two seamer kind of two seamer sinker kind of is his de facto off speed pitch in, in a way hmm. on there. So like if, if he gets a little bit more comfortable with the, the changeup learns how to pitch a little bit more. I mean, he's, he's the same age as came out of the same class as uh, Bubba Chandler. So they're all, they're all really young. Um, he he just had a leg up because like he's always been a always been a pitcher kind of thing. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing to to kind of remember is that these guys are all really young. They're progressing quite nicely. Like yeah. they're they're not even spending full years at levels um, because of how because of how how well they're doing. So it's a it's a much needed um, thing that the Pirates kind of need right now are, are just arms. Uh, we can we can kind of tell just from this starting rotation right now the way it is. Uh, you know, they had a wave of starting pitching talent kind of arrive all at one time. And as of right now, it doesn't look like any of them have paid off. Now there's still plenty of time because they're all really young too. So, so anything could happen with, with Priester, Ortiz, and, uh, and, and, and Contreras. So like there's, there's still some time there. 
but it's nice to kind of have like a whole other wave of guys right behind them. Um, because again, not all these guys are going to hit, but if you can get, if you can fill out your starting rotation with like three controllable arms, and then you go into an off season like this where you're just adding supplemental pieces, it's just a completely different vibe around the entire team. Um, when you go into a, an off season like this year where you had two guys and then one of them gets Tommy John and you're like, Oh shit, I've got one pitcher. That's when, you know, panic starts. So it's just really important that the the pirates, I think develop, you know, some of these guys to be reliable starting yeah. pitchers. Yeah. I want to see something too, um, because I think there's definitely a perception and I mean, well-deserved right for many years, but there's a perception of, you know, you're a pirates prospect. You're going to be in the minors for 28 years. And then you get your call up. That's one thing I think we've been noticing different, you know, differently recently. So I want to get your take on this because like you talk about Salometo and great example of it. Like the kids in double A already. Right. And I think we have certainly been seeing some guys I feel get fast tracked. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any perspective on that? I, I feel like with, with some of these pitchers, they are. So like there's, Two different two different things with the promotions. Like obviously, when you're talking about promoting to the majors, there's the whole you know service time, whatever and whatnot and everything. But like looking past that, like further down, the if if they, the Pirates feel like a, a kid is ready to move up a level, they haven't been afraid to do it. Like whenever you know, like Silomeno was dominating Greensboro, in my head, I'm thinking there's no way that they're going to promote this guy. Like he's 20, he's still you know let him work things out. You know he's him being 20 in high A, he's still already ahead of the game. And then they still move him up to, to double A. They moved Jared Jones up to triple A. Even when I felt like he still could have had worked some stuff out in double A. So when it comes to the pitchers, they're, they're not afraid to get aggressive with, with them moving them within the system and stuff like that. So they, they realize the talent that they have and they're willing to let them go out there and, and, and compete and, and, and pitch and, be challenged. I think that's that's the biggest thing. Yeah, I mean, Jared Jones, 10 starts in double-A, and then boom, yeah. go go to triple-A. You're ready, buddy. So Yeah, and like that's as, certainly a thing. Like, like the last regime, like you never would have seen that. You know, and yeah, I said, it's definitely warranted. I mean, a, a, a 20-year-old, a 19-year-old, 20-year-old in double-A just doesn't happen. You know, like we, we joke, but Kutch spent parts of three seasons in triple-A, and we're talking about Andrew McCutcheon, right? So, you know, they say like Salomeno, like, you know, rise up. And a lot of these, a lot of these kids is, uh, is interesting. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, I like seeing it as someone who wants mm-hmm. to push people into the majors as fast as possible. <laughs> um, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, I don't think the Pirates will have a Salas situation, but <laughs> yeah, but I no, do I, like what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. And I think, uh, it, I think it's interesting because yeah, like I think the previous regime, you didn't really see this. This regime, I think the first the first crack at it that we had was kind of the whole O'Neill Cruz situation where it was like, come on, guys, like, what are we waiting on? Like, let's go. We've got this guy. He's not getting any younger. We could we could use him right now. We're starting Kevin Newman every day. Like, so there was that situation that just like drove me crazy, right? Um but then there was also like the, the COVID year kind of messed stuff up too for a lot of people. And like Quinn Priester was somebody, for example, like Quinn Priester, you know, he, he competed in the, 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 you know, the, the 60 man off off site camp in Altoona or whatever. And so he was facing a lot of advanced guys. And then, you know, that 
that was really his first full year of professional baseball, but it wasn't really a full year of professional baseball. So like, I think we didn't really get a good first impression of kind of what this front office wanted to do with prospects and how they, how they wanted to move them and progress them through the system until really just this, this past year, maybe the year before. Um, I like seeing it. Yeah. Like once, once somebody has demonstrated that they, they don't have anything else to prove at a level, like bump them up, get them one step closer to the majors. And, and they seem to have, they seem to have been doing that. Yeah. I mean, even go back with tomorrow. I mean, Tamar had barely 19 whenever they sent him to Greensboro. On yeah. end. Yep. So I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Absolutely. And it seems to be like the new wave. Like most, most orgs are going this route. And honestly, with pitchers, like the their arms are all falling off now anyway. So like just get some major league innings Our out of them. His heads are falling arms, off before all their arms fall off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well anything else we want to add and talk and discuss here about the farm I'm good oh oh I did because I saw in the comments oh, here there we go saw in the comments here <laughs> so I do want to bring it up so um, David Matomo I want to hear more. I want to hear from somebody. And it's it's lost in the comments now. I'm, I'm sorry who asked for it. Uh, but, you know, we were in the wave of international. So I just want to end it here. Because this is a very intriguing guy. It, guy. Kid still. But, like, he's hitting triple digits now. When he wasn't. When he signed. So can you add, offer a little bit of insight on him, too? Um, he's a 17-year-old kid who pitched in the Dominican League. <laughs> um, I think okay. I think <laughs> I think I put it in your guys' uh, Discord the other day that like I, I think it I think the the fastball got a little bit blown out of proportion with it. I, I think I think when like John reported that he hit 101, people were like thinking that like oh he's hitting 101 like constantly like he's going out there and he's but really really it was more along the lines oh yeah he 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 hit 101 in his first game. And that's it. So, like, the fastball is really good, though. As a seventeen-year-old yeah. kid, I mean, you got a seventeen-year-old, and when he signed, when he was signed, apparently he was like eighty-nine to ninety-one, which was still good right. for a sixteen, seventeen-year-old. But then now to see that kind of jump for it, and from the little bit of info I've been able to gather, like they people love like the shape and the the movement on the pitch. Like someone said that it was getting close to like twenty inches of horizontal break, close to that on, on some of them. Uh, so like the shape and all that's good. The size, like I'd be a little bit concerned, like long-term the size, like he's kind of built a little bit like Jared Jones and, you know, Jared Jones has the reliever kind of risk because of the the frame and, and stuff like that. So, but like at 17, I'm not worried about that. I'm just worried about him logging as many innings as he can. So, I mean, he's, he's definitely someone interesting to watch. Any, anytime you make your professional de- debut and you throw 16 innings without giving up a run, like you're, you're going to get noticed. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, it, am I calling him a top prospect yet? It probably not. No. Like, again, like this falls into probably the axial class and the Alexander Mojica thing. Like if, if you have a fastball that could reach upper nineties in the Dominican league, 
you, you're you're going to do well for yourself there. And, yeah. and then, but then even if you look at it, he didn't even strike out a batter an inning down there. I think he had like 14 in the 16. So like yeah. the fastball is good. He's still learning things, but also if you're hitting 100 on your fastball, you're you're going to have success in the Dominican League. Cool, cool. Appreciate that. <laughs> He's certainly one of those intriguing guys. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. I would love it if they brought. I know they brought. They had. I think it was Andrew Sil- Silver, uh, Sylvia. They brought him up at like seventeen, eighteen, or something like that. He didn't pitch much mm-hmm. in the complex league. I think he he threw like ten to fifteen innings or something. But maybe not even that much. So they they just really kind of watched him. I wouldn't hate them doing something along the lines of that. Just go ahead and get him stateside so you can start working with him. Um, but yeah, outside of that, he's just someone. He's just someone right now. He's someone who who threw a fastball really hard. If he comes over, and does that stateside, then 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 you can really start taking notice. I would say. Yeah, I would say like if he comes over, and even if he just throws a few wings like Shim did this past year, and has that yeah. type of success, then it's like okay, maybe there's something here. But yeah, for now, just a guy to kind of have in your head that he's there. And, and and yeah, I mean, cool story if he can somehow make it. Oh yeah, amazing story. Yeah. All right. Well, is that it for everyone? That does it for me. Yeah. Cool. Well, Anthony, again, appreciate you having on. Yeah, um, thanks for coming on. That was fun. Absolutely, man. And absolutely. if you haven't, again, yeah. go check out the yeah. Substack. Really, really good stuff. Again, emails every day, all kinds of information. Again, if you're talking and looking for prospects, like that's this is it. <laughs> so go ahead and do yourself a service and follow along. So yeah, uh, we'll put that the, said. Then we'll put the link and everything in the description. But yeah, can't recommend it enough. For sure. So appreciate everyone for watching. We'll see you again next time. Bye bye. See you all. Hey, you all. Thank you for watching. I know we try to provide the most entertaining content that we can, uh, and we'd love to spread it to as many people as possible. So uh, I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but if you could take the five seconds to like this video and subscribe to the page, it helps out so much more than you know. Thank you, and let's go Bucks.